0: Welcome to another edition of Stokes and Folks. I'm your host, Spencer Stokes. And today we are joined by a regular contributor to uh, Utah Political Underground, Justin Allen. And if any of you uh, do not know this, Justin is a longtime political uh, personality in Utah uh, and uh, has a wide range of uh, hilarious stories. Um, all the way back to the Orrin Hatch for president of the United States of America campaign. He went to Iowa uh, for the Ames straw poll. But today we're talking about something he's fond of, and this will be a new new, uh, uh, section on the Utah Political Underground. He currently does a music review, and if you've never downloaded or listened to... Any of his recommendations, I recommend that you do that because I've picked up some great new, um, you know, selections, songs, uh, artists through that, that, uh, appreciation. So, but this, this is a, this is a, this is going to be an interesting, um, this is going to be going to be a transcript done with elected officials. I did a test with Justin the other night. I think he's also done a test with Neil Abercrombie, another contributor to Utah political underground in the book review section, but it's going to be a culture and media appreciation inventory with elected officials. So tell me how this all started, Justin.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Spencer. Um, so uh, what this started from uh, actually a conversation I had with um, the first elected official who was agreed to uh, be a part of this new feature. And it was a conversation I had last year with uh, Mayor Erin Mendenhall when she was um, running for uh,
0: for Salt Lake City Mayor. And she actually might be the the most hip politician. Now, there's going to be a lot of politicians that will disagree with me, but... I don't think Ann Milner's gonna say Senator Milner's gonna say she's in the category of most hip. We'll find out, you know. Yeah, well, let's, I guess let's let's have
1: let's have Senator Milner be you know, one of our guests. She might surprise us.
0: So you have this you have this conversation about a year ago you mentioned. We have this conversation.
1: Um, you know, I, I can't remember how we got on to music, but she mentioned that she had been in band through junior high and high school. And,
0: did uh, she mention what instrument she played? You
1: know, she did, and and I can't wait to find out for her to remind me which one okay. it is when I talk Obviously to her. Obviously, it,
0: um, it wasn't a standout. <laughs> it was probably like a reed
1: instrument. I, I can't remember. But <laughs> she, what she did is she started giving me some great recommendations on jazz music and going through all this great music that she listens to, and I thought, I did not know this about Aaron Mendenhall, and it would be interesting to find out these prominent Utahns, these people that are making our decisions every day. Uh, it would be interesting to, I think, find out more about them as people and what kind of pop culture and media they like. And, and, but uh, it's not,
0: it's not just limited to music. Um, you know, the questions, the questions I got, you had categories. So what are some of the other categories besides just besides music?
1: Yeah. So, you know, obviously, um, movies, television, um, Books, podcasts, you know, how they consume media, um, kind of hardware uh, they like to use in terms of, you know, listening to music or reading books or whatnot. So the hope is, you know, it gives kind of an interesting snapshot of sort of how they consume information, um, maybe in some of the sources, but also, um, you know, I, I... In my experience, it's very interesting to learn sort of what movies people have responded to in their lives, what music they respond to. And not only does it humanize them, but I think it makes them more interesting of a a person. I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've certainly had times where in a five minute conversation just based on something that someone likes. I know that I'm going to like this person and we're going to be friends probably.
0: Right. If they, um, they like a similar, similar uh, movie. I had a, I had a really close friend who has since passed away. You actually know him, Greg Hawes. Sure, sure. He was the auditor clerk, treasurer in Weber County. He was on the state school board and his all time favorite movie was Joe versus the volcano. And he felt like every life's lesson Came from Joe versus the volcano, and I had seen Joe versus the volcano. It didn't click with me, uh, but then he started explaining to me why why it was meaningful, and um, and then when the next time I watched it, it had a different different meaning to me. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Um, But what I also what I also found interesting, and by the way, uh, this this past Sunday, um, and for those that that may that might be listening to this, um, this, this is being recorded on June 14th. And so on the 13th, today's flag day, by the way, happy birthday flag. And, uh, um, but, I printed out a copy of what you sent me to ask questions and the entire family had this conversation around the dinner table. And it was, it was really fun Very cool. because I found out and learned some things about my daughters and, and confirmed things about my wife. You know, when she, when, when I got to the musical section, the Broadway section, yeah. um, and, and discovered again that she only likes one, okay. uh, one musical, and that's uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and so, but it was a fascinating adventure. I've got, I've got a daughter who is uh, married and is they're watching every uh, Academy Award-winning movie since the beginning of time, which a lot of those I've never, I've never watched. Right, yeah. So great. in your in your conversation with Neil Abercrombie, what was something interesting that you picked up? from uh, that interview that you did with him.
1: Oh, that's
0: and a good. And to give a little background yeah. while you're thinking, Neil Abercrombie is uh used he, in his early years he was the government relations person for the Utah League of Cities and Towns and has since moved on and and is the government relations vice president uh up at USU uh, and uh, and he, he teaches uh a class or two here and there. He has his A master's degree as his has his his, I don't know if he's completed his doctoral thesis probably has completed his doctoral thesis but um, so he had he's a I consider him a well read. Utah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, appropriate for
1: someone who's doing the book reviews. Um, Neil listed a lot of great books that, that, uh, I had not heard of and had not read yet. Um, we'll definitely put a transcript of that up on the, I think we should do it on the UT P O L underground, uh, contributor page maybe. Okay. If, All as, right. As we, as we'll we do, do it for for you and Neil. We'll do them over time for everybody. But, um, no, what, you know, a couple of fun things about my conversation with Neil, um, you know, he, he and I do have a lot of overlap on some of our movie tastes and he and I have been to some concerts and things together over the years. So we do have some overlap. So he reminded me of a couple of very fun live concert experiences that, um, that we have had, uh, together. And that was
0: part of that conversation. Which um, is the best one you've been to together? The best concert.
1: Oh man. Um, so we that's a very that's a very difficult question Spencer I mean, I, I,
0: I should. that's, that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing you get here on Stokes and folks <laughs> um, probing, uh, uh thoughtful, thought provoking questions. Yeah, no,
1: ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, in this, in this, well,
0: okay, don't, let's not go with the best. Let's just go with the one you remember.
1: Well, I remember, I remember a few, but, uh, one, one exciting one that we did, uh, together, uh, in one day we hit two, different music festivals because there were two different bands in different music festivals that we wanted to, I shouldn't say in a, in over the course of a weekend, we traveled to different cities. To okay. See, All right. Uh, different festivals over the, over the same weekend. And um, the, the, where we ended up seeing a, a, a festival that had a couple of bands, one, was called is called phoenix and another one called hot ship that we both uh enjoy and still enjoy but enjoyed very much uh, particularly at that time now that's like and a uh, boat
0: hot ship <laughs> or is it chip it? chip chip yeah. oh chip yeah. okay see yeah. i i i had to i wanted to clarify because this is a clean show yeah no i, appreciate and I didn't want anybody it. to think it was hot that. shit yeah <laughs> so <laughs> well I mean, it was it was it uh, was well. it was good <laughs> And what kind of music? What was the genre of music?
1: Oh, it's kind of indie rock kind of stuff. On in terms of Phoenix um, and Hot Chip is is uh, kind of fun indie pop sort of upbeat stuff.
0: Do you ever wonder what's going on in one's mind when they come up with? I mean, what why they pick the name of the band? I do, and- I do. But one, you can imagine
1: what a struggle it would be at this point to try to find a name that you would want to live with for the entirety of your band's right. activity.
0: It wasn't like how I picked Stokes and Folks. I mean, it was somebody suggested it and I said, great, that's a yeah, perfect, that'll work. Yeah. That'll work. But if you're trying to find something, I mean, if you're trying
1: to be creative and you're trying right. to find something that you're not going to hate immediately and be saddled with for ever. And there's a lot of pressure on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and one that, that, uh, members of the band won't say, you know, okay, he's, he's picked the least favorite name. I'm going to stick with him for maybe a right. year right. and then I'm going to go to a band whose you know, name I really like. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, for all we know,
1: uh, Adam Clayton, the drummer of U2 hate has hated the name U2, U2. Yeah. for 35 years and there's nothing he can do about it.
0: <laughs> and, and, uh. Chip, who the band that was named, you know, Hot Chip, chips some guy they met and and they thought he was hot. (laughs) It's
1: possible. They named it Hot Chip. It's possible. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who's to say? Or, you know, since we're heading into Pioneer Day soon, uh, a hot buffalo chip. Right. You don't know. You just don't know. We don't. But um, so back to to Neil's choice here, I mean, you you didn't learn there was nothing particular interesting other than. Does he still read newspapers? Because that was one of the questions, and I thought that was interesting. Yeah, oh, yeah.
1: No, Neil is definitely, um, I mean, you know, he would want me to to also mention that he receives, you know, information from many conservative news sources as well. But uh, (laughs) I do remember him uh, talking about how he does get the New York Times delivered and uh, gets a lot of his information from The Economist, which I thought was, uh, you know, a good... I, I want my Neil Abercrombie's getting their information from the economist. Right, that, exactly. feels, that feels right.
0: Yeah. Know. So yeah. does he subscribe to the magazine? Yeah. Because it still yeah. prints. Yeah. Um you know, that was actually one of the sections I will be the most interested in when you ask people if they still read newspapers. And if they do not, how do they get their news? Right. What what apps do they use? Mm-hmm. What news sources? But also, do they subscribe to any magazines yeah. uh, that they find, you know, very interesting? And yeah. so, I, I'm, I am really looking forward to this. And as you continue to head down this this pathway of, um, you know, speaking to elected officials and finding out what they are consuming in their media, and what kind of hardware, what kind of music they like, and frankly, we'll take probably some of the recommendations, and and you've decided to do it in a transcript form.
1: Yeah, so, you know, we um, we could consider other approaches, I suppose, but uh, felt like maybe the easiest way for it to be consumable would be to record the conversation and then have it be something I kind of prefer. This is just my own personal opinion. I kind of prefer reading right. uh, still over video. Maybe, you know, I'm still right. old school that way, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, so I we'll think we'll, we'll provide a transcript of the conversation. And, um, so yeah, that'll, there, that'll is,
0: there is some talk, uh, amongst the, uh, Utah political underground hacks that we will produce a, uh, every six month magazine mm. with our, are the best of the best. Cool. Uh, of things we've written about music, um, some of Jordan Garn does a great job writing some pretty funny, pretty funny articles, book right. reviews, um, and and or food reviews. So I think that's still in. So it'll be great to pick a couple of these that have been the most interesting yeah. and and uh, and and put them in the magazine so that, so that some future politician can say when you interview them, do you subscribe to any magazines? And if they're, if they're at a loss, <laughs> they'll be able to say, oh, yeah, I, I get the Utah Political Underground That's magazine. Right. That's right. Uh, I didn't have to subscribe nice to it. <laughs> nice plug. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's that talk. Now, I know that, I know that we'll look forward to this, and your first interview is coming up. When's your first interview? Friday scheduled for Friday, and it will be with Mayor Mendenhall, with the mayor. Yeah, so that will be fascinating. Appropriate, appropriate, given our con- yeah, that's, her, our that's conversation. Where it came from yeah, the idea. Um, and it, and in our conversation, it was we really worked to get through it in an hour and ten minutes, and you you're gonna try to do this in thirty minutes.
1: Yeah, that'll be the goal. Um, my goal is is that it's such. Uh, an interesting conversation for the mayor that she's like, give me a part two, you know, next week. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes, Spencer. Okay. You know, we'll or she do. may we'll
0: make do with 30 she minutes. She may when when somebody comes in to interrupt her say, I just need a few more minutes. <laughs> and then we'll know if the right. if it ends up being a forty five minute interview, we'll know she was really Very, she was really yeah, into it. Yeah. I my hunch is she will really be into it because I loved it. I loved the exercise yeah. of sitting down and reading the questions and, and thinking about like you asked me, what was the first movie I ever attended yeah. and it was Jungle Book. Yeah. And it was with my dad. Yeah. It was one of only a handful, well, a handful is generous. It was one of one of only two movies that I ever saw with my dad. And um, you know, other than the first vision. Uh, and, I, but jungle book,
1: I it, think my favorite story from our conversation was the other movie that you went to see with your parents. <laughs> Smokey and the, the Bandit. Yeah. yeah, In and, Brigham and, city. And how
0: long that lasted. It didn't last long. No, it did not last long. Um, I, one of the things I failed to say, and I, I, cause I was trying to be polite. Uh, I have a brother who, you know, is a little, little wilder than yeah, me. Yeah. And my mother said these exact words, I have to listen to this kind of language at home. I'm not going to sit here and listen to it in this movie theater. <laughs> so that's that was the real the real language. And those were, I mean, smoking the band, it was like soft, uh, soft yeah, swearing. I mean,
1: it was probably Burt Reynolds saying damn to the monkey
0: or something like that. <laughs> right. Right. Right, you know, pretty pretty tame. I didn't even know there was a monkey in the movie. Maybe I'm confusing uh, it with something else. So, uh, don't yeah, don't there remember. may have been a monkey. I only <laughs> saw the first ten minutes of the show, so, so there may have been a monkey. I don't know. I could have made an appearance like at minute sixteen. It's possible. Um, yeah, it's possible. Okay, in the in the last few minutes remaining, we have here on the Utah political underground. Uh, I've, I've threatened to do this and I haven't done it yet because I think everyone is, is reticent of, of coming into the studio and talking about uh, campaign memories. But um, you know, when, when Senator Hatch ran for president, he, he was, he was competing, he was competing hard And, and uh, you were one of the the last few campaign stalwarts that was still going around the country, even after Oren kind of scaled back after the Ames Iowa straw poll. You went to a number of other states i'll bet 'll bet ten other states yeah, uh, after that yeah. where Senator Hatch was going to make an appearance and you would go and and set up um but give me one of the more memorable experiences from your, uh, your life on the campaign trail for a, a presidential candidate. And let, let's face it. This was the year of George W. Right. Bush and he was a machine. George W. Bush was a machine uh, to get the nomination. And many, many people uh, dropped out pretty quickly. Oren hung in there for a, pretty uh, pretty long time. He did. Um, but the other people that were running, Alan Keyes was running. Yep. Um, Steve Forbes. Steve Forbes was running. Um, Gary Bauer was running. Right. Uh, I only remember those because they were the ones that was at Mo Rocca that did the interview with uh, Orrin Hatch right after a debate. It would be really interesting to go back and see
1: how many faint, like super famous people were there because I think it's possible that Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell. I mean, all those guys were, yeah, they were beginning their careers, their, their careers there. Nobody knew who they the were. The daily show they, they was part just of
0: barely coming. Into I, bet, its own. I
1: bet. I bet. If we went back and found that footage, I, I bet all of those guys were
0: part of that. But wasn't that it, Mo, you, you called me and asked me about, should he do, should he do this interview <laughs> with Mo Comedies Rocca up, yeah. for the daily show? Yeah. And I, I said, just yes, but just tell him what it is. Right. Now, Senator Hatch didn't really – he didn't really watch The Daily Show. No, no, he did not. But Uh, as I recall,
1: it didn't go – he didn 't you know it went okay, it went okay,
0: yeah i mean, yeah. I recall it vividly you 're just uh, trying to actually. avoid
1: a total disaster, and so you know in that way
0: he didn't he didn 't know there lost. were comedy and right. it, and really, the daily show was the beginning of comedy news mm-hmm. uh, the onion hadn 't made its appearance yep. uh, the babylon bee hadn 't made, <laughs> right. made its appearance yep. um, so this was he didn't he thought it was a full on news reporter asking him serious questions about. Uh, and it, it took him about three questions before he figured out or before it dawned on him what what you had told him right right uh, when you were briefing yeah. him but i don't want to lead the i don't want to lead the witness what were some of the other what what's another memorable story that sticks out
1: well um you know a couple uh, that immediately come to mind when we were in new hampshire uh at one point for uh some events there which by the way i i found um they do like a little New Hampshire egg, famous event thing, uh, political event. I can't remember right. what they call it, but I actually found just the other day the little wooden egg that we had picked up as a as a little souvenir from when Senator Hatch went to that that event. But um, there are a couple of things that stand out. So one would have been a, a debate that they had in uh, in New Hampshire there, and uh, it was very cool. I so this was that the big dinner. So that, that that was the other one. Okay. I can't remember if these were the same time, but we did have a big uh, debate. And, you know, up to that point, I had not had any inter- interaction with George W. Bush yet. Um, and, you know, Senator Hatch's play in this was if something happens to George W. Bush's candidacy, for whatever reason, then, you know, he's there to you know, be the alternative.
0: And I think that what, for whatever reason was that he'd snorted cocaine off the bar. You know, there were some stories, there were some stories out there at the time. (laughs) Um, but,
1: uh, but yeah, so, um, but we met him behind the stage at that debate and, uh, and immediately we got it. You know, the people who were there, he was just, he just you know, oozed that cool, that charm, that ease. And um from there, you know, it just sort of felt like, okay, you know, like I we get it. Um the world in this case is not terribly unfair with the order <laughs> right, of who's right ahead. Well
0: he was race. uh he was the current governor of Texas. Right. So you know as a friend of mine, Frank Suter says, uh Texas is a big state. Yeah. So you'd have to be you'd have to be equipped. To, to make it in, in yeah, Texas, he was. So. he was. The
1: other one, though, is that that dinner that you mentioned, and you know, the most memorable part of that was uh, they gave each candidate the opportunity to choose their own introduction music that would play as they went up to give their speech. And Senator Hatch, of course, you know, right this is an appropriate so, story ra- for today. Rightfully yeah. so, picked. The song I Love Old Glory that he had written with Janice Cat Perry. And uh, a great song and an appropriate tribute to the flag, right? And so Senator Hatch, I think, wanted to make sure that everybody heard this because he's a patriotic person, of course.
0: And one of the problems with that song is that the words which he wrote don't start... For a very long time, very long introduction, right? <laughs> very stirring long introduction, in, stirring very introduction. Long yeah. introduction. It's true.
1: And um, so, you know, the t- most of the other candidates, I can't remember what the exact order was, but several of the candidates had already gone, and had pretty immediately made their way up to kind of rah rah on the stage as soon as their music had started. Well. Senator Hatch had wanted to make sure the crowd really got into the mood, the spirit of the song and the occasion. And so, when as the music started to play, um, he, he was nowhere really to be seen in, in, on the stage. And
0: the co-chair of the national party, as I recall it, was out on the stage. Right. Yeah. Introduced introducing him, him. Yep. And
1: kind of waiting for him to come up, like the other candidates had. And you know, with the staff, we're somewhere in the back at some table, and. You know, we're kind of like, where is, you know, where is he kind of looking around? And I catch out of the corner of my eye, he's just standing still at the bottom of the stairs to kind of come at up the side of this, the, stage. the side of the stage. And it, it dawns on me, I think probably before anybody else, it dawns on me. I'm very perceptive into human nature this way, <laughs> Spencer, but even at the very far distance, I could see. That he was waiting for the audience to fully hear and appreciate the song <laughs> before he went up onto the stage to give his speech. And in fact, I saw him because the the co-chair who was MCN event this eventually spotted him and kind of was like, like Yeah, come on up, up come like, like the waiting stage, yeah. to him. And he like did the gesture, hold on, like wait a minute. <laughs> wait for
0: the <laughs> we're, big finale we're waiting here.
1: for this to, you know, envelop us all, this the sounds right here. So um eventually he did start to walk up now the problem with waiting in that scenario is people who've been applauding eventually they
0: can't can't hold the applause they can't keep it going
1: forever so so as he finally made it to the stage the applause was dying and so when he asked people to stop applauding by gesture (laughs) it fell a little flat because the applause had largely died down um by that point um and then he, he was
0: the last speaker, as I recall. Yeah, he, so it was dessert. He he may have been at that point.
1: Um, but then he opened up. You know his remarks. Um, saying I wrote that song, and you know people were still you know trying to figure out and kind of getting their bearings on what was going on, right? And as I recall, he then followed up the I wrote that song. Um with uh, something to the effect of because there were people out there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I think it was to keep people from, from urinating def- and, defecating <laughs> and defecating on the on flag. The flag.
1: <laughs> right. Now, I don't remember what was being served for <laughs> at that exact uh, moment. I hope it wasn't chocolate mousse or, felt, it, or it, uh, it, lemon it, tart. It felt, um, yeah, it didn't, it didn't seem appropriate for, <laughs> for the time. But here's the thing about Senator Hatch, right? And everybody who was in that room knew the guy, a, a true patriot, nothing but great intentions. No, not a, you know, just very sincere. Yeah, I agree. And um, and so you know, it, it was sort of humorous, just the confluence of events there. But, but hey,
0: yeah. hey, Justin, thanks for joining us uh, on Stokes and Folks uh, to talk about the culture and media appreciation inventory project, and we looked, we look forward to having you back. On Stokes and My Folks. My pleasure. I, I so um, we'll 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 speak again to all of you next week. Make sure you like us wherever you consume your podcast. And this has been another edition of Stokes and Folks.